0: High. It's a dig! All right, just baseball show Monday, March 14th, another GM episode. This time we're doing the Colorado Rockies, Jack McMullen, RM layton
1: Oh shit, the lockout's over. We no, we don't need to do that anymore. We we were we survived. It was like we were running out of resources. we were the, gonna have the, to do the White Sox farm system. The Rockies was the equivalent of like we're reaching, we're out of water. Rockies is drink your own piss. Like that's where you're at at that point, where you're like you're gonna try it, but I don't think you'll get any hydration out of it. And You're like you're dead still, but you're gonna try it. That's what the Rockies were. We we were we had a little bit more water left before that, but we, we were getting there.
0: I think the Rockies GM episode was gonna be our 100 day lockout extravaganza. So we were a day short, 99 days. They
1: saved. <laughs> I us. I will say though, there is a scenario where the Rockies give us some entertaining TV and it starts with signing Albert Pujols. If the Rockies sign Albert Pujols, which they've been rumored to, yeah. I'm sorry, I wasn't planning on talking about this. So I don't have the uh, reporter to attribute it to, but I'm sure if you search Pujols, you can go find it on Twitter. Uh, but he will hit 20 to 25 jacks there and he'll get to close yeah. to 700. I'm so in on him in, in Coors Field. That would be absolutely
0: hilarious. They already are providing great TV with Alex Colomay, Jose Iglesias, and Scott Schebler. Um, but the great news about no lockout happening is we can actually talk about shit that's happened in baseball
1: in recent memory. Oh, my can God. You, can you imagine? Well, that aside, more important, Jose Iglesias might hit like five home runs. A, <laughs> a whopping five. <laughs> he might get you five. five. That's, that's half a double digits, as we like to call it.
0: Yeah. Ha- halfway to 10. We say, ha- we say halfway to hundred when somebody scores up. 50, you round, round up. up so, so he pretty much hit 10
1: bombs, double, double digit bombs.
0: <laughs> How about that? Um, it, this is awesome. And a lot of people were saying, you know, Heyman Passon, Ken Rosenthal, a lot of them were saying, get ready for the craziest 48 hour stretch, 72 hour stretch in, in free agent history. Hasn't been the case. No, but if you're looking at quantity over quality, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of glad it's been more of a slow burn because, I mean, we usually, we it's miserable. We see some of baseball's best players, like Osmani Grandal, I remember, didn't he hold out for like months into the season a few yeah, years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Boris clients usually. So usually it's, it's atrociously slow. This is still way more expedited than anything we're used to. And I think people got a little tease before the lockout of everybody getting it in before the deadline and forgot that this is still light years ahead of what we're used to in terms of MLB offseason stuff and, and just the, the pace of things. So I'm cool with it. It didn't need to be a frenzy all at once. I'm having a good time. We've still had some like really exciting moves. I'm, I'm really pumped to talk about like the sunny gray trade big leaguer for big leaguer trade with IKF and Mitch Garver. Like there's been some really not blockbuster moves, but unique thought provoking type of trades that I like. And, and we're seeing the free agent market start to pick up.
0: What your guy uh, Eli Sussman at Fist Stripes? He said uh, he said MLB at bat pushed the notification for the Sonny Gray deal as a blockbuster, and he was like, "I don't necessarily know if that qualifies." Oh, I didn't as notice a
1: blockbuster. that. I didn't. I didn't notice that. That's a funny catch by Eli. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd call that one a blockbuster, but I do like that. I don't know if we're going to start with that off the bat, but like, there's a lot. I, I wrote a quick blurb on it because I was getting a lot of Reds fans asking me about Petty. Uh, But also some Twins fans that are like, what is our direction? Uh, And I think this kind of answers that question that the the Twins are trying to be competitive. Now, we talked about it when we talked about the Twins. We said, like, they're not that far off. They got to figure out the pitching, but there's a lot of, there's a lot going on here and they're not that far off. They should go for it. But we we say that about a lot of teams that don't go for it. The Twins are going for it. They are, and a lot
0: of their best prospects will be up this year. When you look at Austin Martin, when you look at Jose Miranda, who I know that you absolutely love. When you look at, on the mound, Jordan Belazovic, who I know you are also relatively high on, right? Simeon Woods Richardson, who they just got in the Barrio Steel as well. He can slot into a big league bullpen this year. So the twins are interesting. We will start with the Sonny Gray deal, sending him to Minnesota for Chase Petty. Francis Peguero went back. But before we do that, I want to I want to hit this again because you, you teased it and I don't want to leave it. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting that the lockout would be lifted and then within 10 minutes, Correa, Bryant, Conforto, Rodon, yeah. they would all sign right away. They did not. The first three that I just mentioned, Correa, Bryant, Conforto, are all Boris guys traditionally Mm -hmm. Boris guys hold out a little bit longer in your mind what kind of timeline are we looking at for
1: Correa Bryant Conforto do you have a guess it's funny I I think that it depends on how quickly the rest of the guys go because you you hit the nail on the head right Boris likes to let the market set itself and then go above that. Right. And right now we're still seeing the market kind of set itself. It seems like there's some guys that are getting some pretty decent paydays. Jonathan VR turned down 6.5 mil plus a million incentives. So uh, it's Boris knows what he's doing. And I don't think he was going to let this situation kind of change his approach. Uh, I still think these guys are obviously all going to get signed before the season starts, but I think we're going to see the rest of the shoes drop in the next 24 to 48. Is what it seems like. Um, I I know that was something even like Craig Mish was talking about. The Marlins are like, Marlins fans are freaking out. And he's like, be patient 24 to 48, they're going to strike. They're kind of waiting. So I I think like once the Nelson cruises, the not Conforto since he's a Boris client, but those types of guys, I think then we'll start to, to see the domino effect. But then we might see it catch fire, Jack. It might end up going from there and being like, boom. And then it's a spark plug.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Right. Like Castellanos goes like, OK, now we know the market for Conforto up it by 10 million dollars. And then you see Chris Bryant go and say, OK, uh, triple that. And then that's what Correa gets. <laughs> like,
1: that or or like what what about Story? What about when Story, let's say Story gets some surprising contract. Now yeah. Correa is able to say like, OK, all right. I mean, like, look at what that guy did last year at Coors and look at what I did. You should triple that. <laughs> like, right. That's, and, and that's
0: Right, and you say, you know, look at that Corey Seager deal that he just signed in wow. November. Yeah. Like $1 million more than that. Give me, give me the Lindor mil. deal. Give me the Lindor treatment where I go 341 instead of 340. I still
1: can't believe he did that.
0: That was the most petty shit ever. We'll also get to the Mets adding a three, maybe the best three in baseball. But first, yeah. let's start. Sonny Gray, Francis Peguero from Cincinnati to Minnesota for Chase Petty. First, Cincinnati's perspective. They're blowing shit up when they do not need to. They don't need to at all. If you went and re signed Castellanos, you are a wild card sleeper again. With an expanded postseason, you're getting in. Like you've got Joey Votto. You are wasting away Votto's career. You've got the reigning NL rookie of the year in Jonathan India. You've got a frontline guy in Luis Castillo. You've got Ladolo and Green joining them this year and you've got Jesse Winker who's an all-star. You've got Jose Barrero who's going to be the starting shortstop and a pretty good one at that.
1: Eugenio Suarez cannot be worse. Make it I actually think he's going to bounce back. I'm going to that's my hot take for the year. I actually think he's going to be good. But continue. You're making so, a good But point. like this is a decent roster and they have decided to start the rebuild. Yeah, it doesn't really make it. It's funny because you list all that out, and then you have Nicodolo and Hunter Green, not far off. Graham Ashcraft is, you know, probably not going to be a starter, but he's going to be a really unique bullpen arm that's probably going to be ready at some point this year. He sits uh, ninety nine. Yeah, he sits ninety nine, and you can stretch him out, so you can use him as a, a bit of a Swiss Army knife in a high end style. Like, like the this pack. is a yeah, exactly, and his, his cutters just like Class A's. And if he if Class A was a starter, kind of went all in on the cutter as, as a back-end reliever, there's a lot of similarities there, as crazy as it sounds. The Reds reportedly want to use him as a, uh, as a closer, a reliever. Like, this is a team that has a lot of pieces. And you wonder how a young rookie of the year breaking out for you, who you weren't really counting on being that level of player uh, when you asked him probably two years ago, how do you look at that and say, okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's start this thing over? Uh, Joey Votto is aging, right? Like you're still getting good baseball out of Joey Votto for another year or two. And you're just like, let's start over. I I don't know. I don't think it's a full teardown personally, Jack. I I think it's, it's a restructure. It's a cheaper restructure, but going out to get a Tucker or no, I mean, gosh, like even trading away Tucker Barnhart, like they're just, what, what is, what's their angle? Was it a trade or was it a free agent thing for Barnhart? They traded him for uh, the third baseman that I don't like the Padres. Uh, I mean, I mean for the uh, Tigers. Um, the Tigers, oh, gosh, not Paredes. I mean, nuts. No, it's no, it's not Paredes. He's, it's it was a uh, college guy underperformed. I'll tell Nick you right something. Now. I'll tell something. you right now, but continue. Yeah. So I mean, even then, I I'm like, okay, they traded away Barnhart. Twenty two million dollars over the next two years is what Sonny Gray is owed. So. It's not like it's something crazy expensive and it's a club option for the next year. So when you look at it from that lens, I'm just I'm just wondering why would you feel like Sunny gray is movable in terms of like if you keep them, you have Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and you have those other guys that are ready to contribute and help soon in the minor leagues. To me, it just says I don't want to pay the money. Uh, the writing's on the wall. We're waiting for this Vado contract to end. And then we're just going to, and, and, and Eugenio as well. And we're just going to go cheap. We're going to go small market again. They try to spend their way to the middle of the pack. And I think they say that they don't want to go there again. That's kind of what they're showing me.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's tough, man. Cause like Sonny gray upped it in the second half of the year. Like he and Luis Castillo upped it at the same time. And while the Padres were free falling, the Reds were climbing and climbing and climbing and then, Neither ended up getting there because the Cardinals just went ballistic at the end of the year. Yeah. But Cincinnati always looked like a team that could do it with firepower on the offensive side and serviceable enough pitching with more reinforcements on the way. Uh, and you just took away one of the guys that was there and pitching really well. If you had a top three of Castillo gray and Tyler Malley, and you add Lodolo and green in 2022,
1: it's must watch television every night, 100%, 100%. And they could have just went out and gotten Johnny brought bringing Johnny Cueto back. Why not as as a depth as a depth arm, right? And that's a guy that's holding it down until then. He's a ground ball pitcher who has rediscovered his ability to get ground balls again. He was very solid for the Giants when he was healthy. That's your your depth arm until those other two are ready, and you're good to go. And if you're worried about money, you can look forward to the fact that Eugenio Suarez is 20 plus million will be off the books in a couple of years. Joey Vado is going to be off the books in a couple of years. But Bob Castellini just didn't want to wait any longer to, to clear up some money. I think that's very clear because, I mean, you look at Sonny Gray's deal. It's 10.2 million this year. It's 12 million club option next year if you really wanted to decline it. Uh, but from the the twins lens, I love the Sonny Gray move because Gray is underratedly he was underratedly affected by great american ballpark i mean we always talk about the splits but gray's strikeout to lock ratio the last three years has been phenomenal we saw him put it back together with the reds we saw him great in the shortened season then he had a bad first half last year and we forget that sunny gray had actually been great after he left the yankees like really really darn good and all of a sudden we forget that his home road splits 3.44 ERA on the road and a 3.20 FIP on the road. At home, 4.89 ERA, 4.73 FIP, and he's going from a place that is the third worst park to pitch in, according to Baseball Savant's park factor. Now going to the 18th hit most hitter-friendly ballparks, so it leans, it skews towards you know pitcher-friendly. Yeah, his swing and miss stuff has been as good as ever, and now he's going to a better environment. He's going to be a solid number two for them. I, I really think so.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Now you got to go get a number one though, if you're missing. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say he's their number one, but he's going to be a traditional solid number two.
0: Yeah, you have to get a traditional number two uh, to be the one A one B with Sonny Gray right now, because yeah. um, I, I, I was just talking about it with a couple other people. Like the rotation as it stands now, with Sonny Gray as the one, Dylan Bundy as the two, Joe Ryan as the three. Joe Ryan, Joe Ryan's good. Like he can he's turn good. into a two.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's he's, he's going to settle into a middle rotation arm and a good one. I, yeah. and, and I think there's he's going to show you flashes of that too. I think if the velo ticks up for sure.
0: Yeah, and then you got Bailey Ober as the four, who I I am unfair on. Colby Olson called me out on that. He's tall. <laughs> Give that to he's him. Tall. He's
1: tall, but he, he's 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 a steady back end arm. Like he he's steady. He doesn't walk guys. He mixes it up. He gets outs. I don't know. He never gets blown up. Would you
0: rather have Griffin jacks Randy Dobnak is your five, oh. or just take a forfeit three-nothing loss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I would start a game with a three-zero deficit um and and pitch somebody else. Like, <laughs> like Dobnak, Dobnak cannot happen. Um, they have a couple other pieces. You you mentioned Jordan Balazovic, like that's a guy that. Is not far off, but you can't go into the season assuming that he's going to be up and ready to help you. Same with John Duran. I think they've got to go look around. Even that's another team that maybe a granky is fine in the meantime yes. until one of those prospects yes. help. Maybe a Cueto is fine. I'm fine with that, but I still think they need that impact uh, impact arm. That's that other number two, and I think you're going to get that from the A's. I don't know if it's Frankie Montes or if it's Sean Manaya but I think they need to go get one of those guys. Eileen Mania, because they need a lefty in there. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not a number two ish, but you know, he's another three or better that slides right into your rotation is much needed. And now that rotation is respectable and the offense can carry some of the load. Don't tell Mania
0: or don't tell the twins that Mania is the answer because I want the white Sox going to get Mania. Okay. Um, Francis Peguero is a flyer he's a 24 year old closer in high a like i don't know if he'll ever make it if he does it'll be as a sixth inning guy when things go to shit but um that doesn't matter when you go and get sunny
1: gray chase petty what do you think i i was thinking about it from and i wrote this up on the website actually and also by the way shout out to ryan minglestein with his uh our managing editor has been doing a great job with the free agency thread, which is actually He's been what amazing I'm using. with that I'm using it right now it's on our website, it, the, the free agency thread is how I'm able to make sure we're not missing any moves. Um, but I also did a separate write up on this one. And look, I look at it from this lens, the twins are making it clear that they want to try to be pretty competitive now. Uh, and over the next couple of years, I think they showed that with the Buxton deal. And now they've showed that with the trades that they've made, even though the Mitch Garver one was confusing. I think it all kind of makes sense now because they really like what they have in Jeffers. But, uh, you know, when I'm looking at what this you know situation is with Petty, I would rather trade him than Balazovic. I'd rather trade him than some of these other pieces that may not have the same upside, but they're not four years away with massive risk. I mean, Petty throws 102 for those who might not know, but he's it's high effort. And, you know, you don't know what the command's going to look like, Jack. I mean, who would you have traded? Um, like, do you, is that the arm that you're still trading in this situation? Or is there someone else that you would have rather have traded? Like, would you rather have kept Simeon Woods Richardson? And, uh, you know, would you rather do what they did or trade someone else? Essentially is the best way to ask that.
0: A lot of people are saying, wow, the twins are stupid for trading Chase Petty.
1: I don't think they're that stupid for
0: trading Chase Petty. It's a risky profile. It's a very risky profile. And we've seen a lot of these high school righties that throw 102, 103 miles an hour, not pan out. And we just talked about two of them last week, Tyler Kolick yes. no, and uh, Riley Pine. I don't yes. want to say he that Chase that. Petty will be that uh, because that I don't wish that upon anybody. But we're just saying that the possibility is there and the recent track record of righties that throw 102 when they're 17 years old hasn't really panned out for anybody
1: recently hunter yeah. green would be the first in a while to actually pan and, out and he's the freakiest athlete and also was a two-way player who was you know really using all of his body well the problem is when guys throw that hard their bodies are, there's just so much stress on that arm from such a young age because it's just not proportionate it's like almost being too fast for your body with your arm speed it really is yeah. and that's why we see that wearing tear like, I, I i don't think that there's any reason to think that Chase Petty won't be great based on Chase Petty. It's just the profile, right? And if you have someone like Jordan Balazovic, who's the opposite, super big dude, who's already shown to have success in Double A. Simeon Woods Richardson was one of the youngest pitchers in Double A and produced good strikeout numbers, uh, but he's got to get the velo up a little bit. But again, a guy that's way further along, they're not trading Matt Canarino because his stuff is arguably just as nasty. Yeah. Um, and, and he has a little bit of a more intriguing, I think, profile with high A success. I think you're, you're trading the most high-risk arm. Yes, high upside, but high-risk arm. You didn't have to trade any other pieces. Yep. And you, you got a really good pitcher for the next two years for only $22 million over those two years. It's a no-brainer.
0: 100%. We are about 20 minutes into this podcast, and we have only discussed one move. Baseball know, is freaking back, baby. Let's go. Uh, Let's next move. Now. The Mets got their three. Chris Bassett goes from Oakland to New York for JT Ginn and Adam Aller. I have never in my life heard of Adam Aller. JT Ginn, I know, can be a piece for Oakland. I think they like pieces. I also don't think they like contending, even though they could have contended. They hate, they uh, they another hate team him. that
1: hates contending.
0: Oh, God, give me assets. Somebody works, assets. Need them. Yes. Uh, Bassett gone. What do you think about that from the Oakland side first?
1: Yeah. I mean, we knew Oakland was going to do this, right. Um, but it's not a bad return given that he, Bassett, he, he was an all-star last year, of course, but he's with 33 only has one year of control, which is this coming season at about $8 million. And he's a free agent. And I assume he's going to want to go get his bag because it's going to be his last contract. Uh, it could be the Mets extending him, but he's going to want to get his bag. So I, I think it's, a good return given those circumstances. JT Ginn's a guy we talked about when we talked about the Mets system. And, you know, he, he's not going to ever be an ace, but he gets a ton of ground balls. He's got a good slider. His command is pretty strong. He, he looks to be getting better and better since coming off of that Tommy John surgery. His VLO went up as the year went on. I would put a lot of money on JT again being a legit back end of the road station starter. And I think he's got a little bit more upside than that. So to get that in the deal, I don't think is, is a horrible thing at all. The return's not that bad. Given the circumstances, there really just is no reason for them to be burning it down uh, other than, you know, the obvious which is money because that's another team that's not that far off from being pretty good.
0: Yeah. Walk rate around 6% for JT again this year. I mean, like he's got great command. He Mm -hmm. pounds the bottom half of the zone. Mm -hmm. He'll get a lot of ground balls. Oakland loves that shit. Um, for Oakland okay great Bassett's gone now rip the band-aid off put me out of my misery trade Chapman trade Olsen trade Mania. trade Montas trade Loriano, trade whoever else you can and put together the best high a baseball team the world has ever seen
1: that's what everybody wants to see right I mean everybody wants to watch next. the Lansing Lugnuts so <laughs> what's 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 going to happen next right we're going to see Montas gone we're going to see Mania gone I think We're going to see all those guys go and Chapman's been rumored to the Phillies. So it should be interesting, but for the Mets, we just talked about on the GM episode with Ryan Finkelstein, they needed another arm in there, right? DeGrom, we hope he's healthy. No need to have him carrying the rotation on his back. Uh, Scherzer, you don't want to use him every fifth day, maxing him out to 120 pitches either. And then we have to see what Taiwan Walker is going to be. He was horrible in the second half, right? Like that's a question as well. There's a lot of, Uh, question marks in that rotation in terms of whether it's health or second half performance. And I think it's really good to have that almost consistent as it gets type of arm with Bassett.
0: Um, Are who after the Dodgers with the one, two, three of DeGrom Scherzer and Bassett are the Mets, your second favorite out of the national league.
1: Assuming everybody's healthy. Absolutely. And it's not close. I mean, we're really looking at if if you erase like LOL Mets, you know, like that, that type of approach, or it's just like the Mets can't win shit, whatever, it's a new, it's a new owner. It's a new coach or new manager. It's mostly an entirely wiped out new front office and a lot of new players. Like, yes, it's the Mets, but unless you believe in omens and curses, it's, it's totally different. And I think people will forget about all that very quickly if the Mets come out and they're just great and i think there's that's very possible as somebody who
0: is incredibly superstitious i will tell you that there is a price to overcome bad omens like there is a price to overcome bad luck and i think steve
1: cohen is willing to pay that price for the yeah it's it's around it's around 300 million dollars yeah and i think they'll get there yeah they're getting close i i I understand it because self-fulfilling prophecy when you know you're like oh the mets haven't won in this many years they haven't won in this many years or whatever like i get it but at the end of the day, I think they're going to find a way. So that was a great move. And I, I think that was one of the, the most no-brainers we saw, I think, on, on the buyer side, too.
0: Yeah, happy uh, happy start to NCAA tournament week. It's like Gonzaga, right? How do you get over the hump? How do you get over this curse? Oh, you can't win the big one? Just go get Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy and put them on the same team.
1: Yep, yep. It's and bring simple. back a lot of your dudes. <laughs> it's Next, easy. One.
0: Yeah, right. Next one, uh, the twins go and get Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They got IKF and Ronnie Enriquez for Mitch Garver. So the Rangers just got their starting catcher with Jonah high moving to a backup role and the twins just got their shortstop Jorge Blanco is going to play second base. Josh Donaldson as it stands now is going to play third. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I saw twins fans upset about that one. Um, and they're like, you know, what's going on? I, I follow a couple couple of twins beat riders that I really enjoy and uh, they weren't happy with it and I'm like why I, I can understand why you're upset about trading Mitch Garver because when he's healthy I mean he's got some of the best power potential in terms of production uh, that you're going to see at the catching position but Mitch, Mitch Garver is not great defensively uh, we know he struggles to stay healthy it's been a really big struggle for him and I look at it from the twins ones. They don't really need him. They love Ryan Jeffers. I love Ryan Jeffers. I think Jeffers has a chance to be a much more well-rounded catcher and he's younger and he has more control. So they're trying to catch in on Garver now while his value is still the highest. Cause he put up his best offensive season in a while and he still has control up. Uh, and they said, we don't want lower level prospects. I think they could have maximized the prospect return. They maybe could have even gotten a fringe top 100 guy, but they totally. said, no, we want to help this team win now. And I think people saw it backwards and I was trying to explain like, no, it's not like that. And then fortunately the Sonny Gray move put that to bed pretty quickly, but going to get IKF was saying, Hey, we want to, we want to be competitive. Now we're going to have a placeholder there uh, until hopefully, you know, we get Royce Lewis or we'll have to go do something else, but IKF in the future will be a really good super utility guy. And in the short term, I think is fine as you're starting shorts up This is a team that started Angelton Simmons there last year. And IKF is a lot better than that. A
0: lot better than that. Kiner Falefa is, um, he's a serviceable starting shortstop. He can also hop at third if Donaldson goes down and you feel like Royce Lewis is ready to come up and go, right? He can go a bunch of different places. He broke in as a catcher. He can play anywhere around the diamond. Um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa is a great guy to have as your starting shortstop and your secondary option at a bunch of different places. I love Garver to Texas. I love it because they addressed the middle infield. They went and got John Gray as well. Okay, you still have a lot of work to do. Where are you going to start? Their answer was catcher. Okay, you, you went and got Mitch Garver. You've got Jonah Heim as your backup, who's one of the best pitch callers, pitch framers in the game. Um, and then you work around. You've got a very solid first baseman right now, Nathaniel Lowe. Um, and then you have other pieces that could be somewhat exciting there. Who knows what Nick Sola can contribute to a Major League Baseball team? Maybe a little bit. Um, there are some other guys there that could help the Rangers be a lot, a lot, a lot better than what they were last year, especially with Seeger and Simeon
1: coming. Oh, dude, I, I loved the move from their lens, right? I mean, you have the, the really good defensive catcher in Jonah Himes. So if you're struggling, if Garver's struggling defensively, you're good there. Uh, but I, I think Garver will be more than fine. I think it was more of a health thing that was resulting in some of the inconsistencies defensively. Yeah, But I, I love it because Heim is, is one of the higher end backup catchers in baseball. So you can split up some time. You can preserve Garver, not have to run him into the ground. You can DH him a lot of games because this is a guy, again, that I forget what the exact number of games was, but it was less than 116. He had more than 50 home runs, I think, across that span. It was something like insane. If you piece together his seasons, the power is there. And I think he's in a better situation uh, where, where he's not going to have to be ridden into the ground as much. And the Rangers addressed the catching position with only $3 million I added to the payroll and we know they want to spend more and they might want to make some other moves. Kershaw is no longer going to be a Ranger like many of us thought. So let's see where else they're going to spend, but now they can do that with already having addressed another position without having to spend there. So I'm really interested to see what's next for the Rangers. This was a low cost acquisition. I think they're going to make a big trade and I still think they're going to sign a dude because they didn't tap into their prospect uh, pool, which has become very deep and they didn't really dip into their pockets on this move. It was perfect.
0: It was perfect. Garver with Heim as the backup behind the plate, Nathaniel Lowe at first, Semyon at second, Seager short. short. Um, you could put Yanni Hernandez at third, but Josh Young is MLB ready when he comes back from this torn labrum and his non-throwing shoulder. So when Young is healthy, he can slide back in as the DH of the third baseman. Outfield left to right as it stands now is Nick Solak, Adolis Garcia, Cole Calhoun, and Willie Calhoun as a backup as well. You've got Eli no White there too. No relation, Cole Calhoun and Willie Calhoun. <laughs>
1: I don't um, even spell it the same, right? That is not the worst offense in baseball. I don't I, – that could be middling. I don't think it's bad. No, it, it's not bad, and it's going to get better. It's it's going to get better. So I, I'm very interested to see, uh, you know, what their plans are going to be at the, th- the hot corner specifically. But the Rangers – Chris Young is not just – Spending. I don't think he's just – I think everyone saw Simeon and Seager, and it's like, oh, they're just throwing money in John Gray too. I thought John Gray was actually a pretty strategic pickup, given how how cheap it was. They're not just throwing money. They're making the right moves, and I think they're going to be calculated moving forward, whether it's Matt Olson or whether it's someone else. I'm expecting them to to be a little bit more cool and calculated. It's not just blank check season.
0: You got to go get pitching. Like right now, though, you have to go get pitching.
1: And and that's why it's going to be interesting to see if if they're talking to Oakland as well. Um, That's another one that I think could be talking to Oakland. Sign me up
0: for, hey, you know what? Maybe end
1: of this year. I don't
0: want to rule out end of this year, but for sure beginning of 2022, John or beginning of 2023, John Gray, Frankie Montas, and Jack Leiter is the one, two, three in Texas. And Cole Wynn. Ooh, sign me up. That's a fun rotation. Those were the three trades that went down that were notable. Let's get to the free agent signings now. Let's start with the Dodgers re-signing Clayton Kershaw. One year, $17 million. This was perfect.
1: Yeah, I think no one talks about that. <laughs> like, it was, But people forget that we were, we, were, we were signing him away to Texas. We were ending the Dodger era for Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I hope he's healthy. I don't want the Dodgers to be that good personally. Like I'm always fine with them being good. I don't want them to be the best team ever. I don't want them winning 120 games. I, mean, I hope they don't get Freddie Freeman. I'm sorry, Dodger fans. It's nothing. I don't hate the Dodgers. I, I second like that. Parody. I like parody and I like baseball having its stars spread out. All so right, stop. Mr. Marlin. Yeah, exactly. And I I've been on the, on the bottom end of that stick. So you understand that side of things, but mm-hmm. no, I, I think it's great to see him. He, he should be playing his entire career there. And it would be dumb to let him go at this stage of his career, especially because he was great when he was healthy last year. He was really good. Yeah. And they low-key needed pitching. They low-key really needed some back end of the rotation guys there. And it's crazy to call Kershaw that, but that's kind of where he slots in.
0: Yeah, good to have Kershaw as your three. Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw as the three behind Bueller and Arias.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And if May was healthy, he'd be the four at this point in his career, I think. What the f-
0: Fuck. Okay. Uh, non-baseball thing, real quick. Breaking news: Tom Brady says he will return for another season. "Quote: I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the
1: stands." You're trolling me. No. I fuck. All right. Back to baseball. Do with okay, that well, what you One would. thought on this, real quick. One, one yeah. thought, I'm, and we don't even need to elaborate on. Is this. he Favre? Is he Favre 2.0? No, what he is, and I love, I love Tom Brady. But what he is is the most attention-seeking dude I've ever seen in my life. This is the craziest play I've ever ever seen. Like, dude, don't make it. Was- the whole retirement was a show, and now, now it's a show. I'm coming back. He retired for two weeks, bro. I think Robert Favre was longer than that. It's ridiculous. Anyway, let's get back to baseball. No, that's ridiculous. Uh, next that's signing, ridiculous.
0: All- it's stupid. Also in the NL West. Carlos Rodon, two years, $44 million with the San Francisco Giants. I freaking love this move, dude. Giants needed a lefty. Um, you've, got Logan Re- you've got Logan Webb as your frontline guy. He slots in right there. When you have Logan Webb, Carlos Rodon, Alex Wood, Anthony D Sclafani, and who am I missing? Alex Cobb.
1: Alex Cobb. And they're going to somehow make him really good. Like how unlock- a
0: win, dude.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what I like about it the most, Jack, is that they don't really need him to pitch that much. <laughs> I and mean, By that I mean, is there any team that manages workloads better than the San Francisco Giants? Whether That was it be, their whole thing. Whether it be position player-wise, whether it be pitching-wise, whether it be bullpen-wise. They spread out their, their saves across their entire bullpen. You look at the starters, they did, only had one guy pitch more than 170 innings, which was Kevin Gossman. And they only had two guys pitch more than 150. So you could get an Alex Wood type of, of run from Carlos Rodon, which was 138 innings, and you're golden. I, that, that This is so perfect, and he's going to be so good if he's healthy, and I think they're going to help him do that.
0: And we saw across 125 innings for Rodon that you know, White Sox started to stretch him out a little bit, and he kind of deteriorated as the year went on. But through the first yep. 125 innings of Rodon's season or first 100 innings of Rodon's season, he was looking like a
1: Cy Young winner. Yeah. And and I hate to say this because it's, it could be totally different. So I want to acknowledge that this is just literally me speaking from my own personal experience with just the shoulder thing is you, when it's something that's just consistently plagued you for your whole career, like, like I've seen it now, Rodan, it's almost like it bothers him, then he figures it out, you know, and is able to kind of put it to bed a little bit and then it comes back. At this point, he's always, I think, going to have some level of shoulder issue. It's yes. about how well can he mitigate that. And and I know that that sounds crazy. But when we say if he's healthy, it's really just if he can manage whatever is going on in his shoulder. His shoulder, I don't think, is ever going to be 100%. I think that's very clear. I think he's found a way to take it to as close to that as he can get it. And by throwing 99 miles an hour shows that that was always there. He just didn't know how to get there. He changed his regiment and workout regiment. And and he was much better. I think there needs to be a little bit more done in terms of preservation. And I think the giants are going to help him do that.
0: And when he is as close to entirely mitigating that shoulder issue as possible, he is 99, maybe touching a hundred miles an hour with carry. He gets a lot of run on his fastball. He gets a lot of swings and misses in the top half of the zone. He's got one of the best sliders in baseball. I mean, that thing is absolutely disgusting. That's why he went third overall at at NC state. He's also added a curveball that he throws about 6-7% of the time that offers this different look that is really, really strong. Carlos Rodon has a three-pitch mix, can make it four, that is super successful when he's healthy, and he turns into wipeout stuff. And I would not be shocked to see him put together an all-star caliber season for San Francisco, to be totally honest.
1: Wouldn't be shocked at all, and he doesn't need to pitch every fifth day. I think they can give him a couple extra days. I think they're going to manage him well. I'm really excited to see what this is going to look like, and I think he's going to do a good job for them.
0: Yeah, Jays added the one from San Francisco this offseason. They signed Kevin Gosman. They also just signed Yusei Kikuchi. Three years, $36 million. Front-loaded a little bit. He'll make $16 million this year. He'll make $10 million in 2023, $10 million in 2024. I didn't like this signing, but it gives them a very strong five and as formidable a five as baseball has right now with Gosman, with Ryu, with Barrios,
1: with Kikuchi and with Alec Manoa. So do you think there's a world where they're looking at you say Kikuchi and they're saying, Hey, maybe we can unlock, unlock Robbie Ray because The interesting thing about – and I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm just saying – I'm trying to justify it from their perspective. Kikuchi has shown flashes to be able to rack up strikeouts in bunches like we saw with Robbie Ray. And also, Kikuchi has shown flashes of not being able to command his stuff whatsoever. His fastball reached upper 90s quite a bit last year. We saw it get lively. Maybe they think that they can unlock something with him. There's got to – that has to be in the back of somebody's mind there. I feel like that's what kind of spurred the move.
0: Dude. I mean, I'm just thinking if they get the postseason with that offense and you're running out Barrios, Gosman, Manoa, and then whoever's got the hot hand among Kikuchi and Ryu, like that's
1: a, that's a hard team to beat. I agree. And I think the hot hand at that point might be Kikuchi. I don't think he's going to be great. I'm not saying that they're going to turn him into Cy Young, Robbie Ray, but the guy's got some good stuff. He's got a lively fastball. I mean, it sits 95 and, and, it's got a good profile. I mean, the fastball doesn't get hit that hard. He's got to eliminate his cutter. I'm like, looking at his savant page, I pulled it up, and ten home runs on the cutter, and it's just not really a great pitch for him. So I think if it's if it if going somewhere else and they kind of look at your arsenal and they're like, hey, have you thought about just not using this or using this more or doing this? Sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, that's literally to a degree. I'm not trying to water down because it's way more sophisticated than that. But that's a large part of what Codify does, right? It's much more sophisticated than that, but. Michael Fisher said it himself. Sometimes it's as easy as just telling the guys to stop throwing their bad pitches and throw their good pitches more. Sometimes that's a big part of it. Um, And and I think that could be the case here.
0: And they need somebody that has told someone successfully and you've seen the positive results, right? Yep. Like if we said, you say you got to stop throwing your cutter, he'll be like, who the
1: fuck are you guys? Yeah, exactly. But they helped Robbie, right? So there's a track record a little bit. So we'll see. But yeah. and look at the way has developed. It's it's been a pretty good short term track record there.
0: Yeah. Back to the
1: Mets. 36 year old Adam Otavino, one
0: year four million dollars with one million dollars of additional incentives. Otavino to the Mets, he is a fine bullpen piece. Uh, don't let base runners get on though, because it will be off to the races.
1: Yeah, I think you and I could steal on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, another guy, like his sinker stunk last year. Um, the slider's nasty, but he just relies on it a ton. If he's like their sixth, seventh inning guy, sure. Like, that's fine. Cool. We're going to go rapid fire now, man. White yeah. Sox signed Joe
0: Kelly two years, $17 million with a club option for 2024. Their obsession with velocity is just stupid right now, and they have to trade Kimbrell.
1: They need to go get Randy Dobnak. No, they don't. Offset the velo a little bit. Thanks but, for the yeah, I think, I think the writing's on the wall for Kimbrell, right?
0: I think so. Now that you signed Kelly to that money, Kimbrel has to be
1: out. Um, Kelly's a great setup man still. So see you, Kimbrel. He's phenomenal.
0: And, do and, think and that- it's
1: cheaper if you can move him without the, the if you can get the money to ta- like ob- obtain or whatever, if they eat the money, whoever gets him, I mean, you're, you're cheaper with Kelly. Yes,
0: you are cheaper with Kelly. Um, and looking at that bullpen right now where you've got Hendricks, where you've got Graveman now who they just signed, you've got Kelly, you've got Crochet, you've got Bummer. The first four all throw like a hundred. They all touch a hundred regularly. And then bummer has one of the nastiest 95 mile an hour sinkers baseball seen in a little bit. So, I mean, this bullpen is, is borderline best in baseball. They also went and signed a second baseman, Josh Harrison, one year, five and a half million dollars with a club option for 2022. They needed one. I do not need to see Larry Garcia as the starting second baseman for the Chicago White Sox again. They have made sure that I will not be seeing that. Josh Harrison is the guy. Thank the Lord. I'm really excited for Josh Harrison.
1: I, I I think he's so much fun, man. He's always been one of my favorite players back since Pittsburgh. Love the way he plays. I think the fans will love him there. He's just that blue collar. A middle infield, too of him and Tim Anderson. There's just two guys that have a lot of fun on the diamond make, make some flashy plays. That could be a lot of fun. And two guys that put the bat on the freaking ball, throwback type players. I love it.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Having Larry Garcia as your backup there, having Danny Mendick as a backup shortstop, like that is a fine middle infield. Next area of
1: concern is right field. Go get Michael Conforto. Oh my God, please. Please. please, His markets, I think his markets percolating a little bit. I think he's actually going to get more money than people think. Yeah, ridiculous. And I'm okay with Andrew Vaughn out there. I know a lot of White Sox people, I've been seeing this on,
0: on the Twitter sphere. A lot of White Sox people don't think that Andrew Vaughn factors into a World Series winning White Sox team. I couldn't disagree more. I think Vaughn is phenomenal. The guy that skipped
1: the minor leagues and had success and early experience he was one of the first guys in the draft, if not the first guy in the draft from his class to get to the big leagues and got better and better yeah i think vaughn will be just fine
0: i think vaughn will be just fine so i'm okay if vaughn is the right fielder he actually showed that he was fine defensively uh out and right and left um way it better would be... than
1: i thought he'd be way better way better. way better i thought he was gonna suck i'll be honest me too i thought he was gonna be brutal
0: perfect world though Eloy jimenez is the dh for years to come andrew vaughn's in left and you go and sign a right fielder you've got money for conforto go do it um Another middle infielder going to Chicago, Andrelton Simmons, one year, $4 million. I want to talk about what this could mean for the Cubs elsewhere, right? Because Simmons like, okay, we could analyze him. The reality is he's going to hit 220 to 230. He might hit seven homers, but he'll play exceptional defense. Question is how often is he playing? And I want the answer to be not much. You're paying $4 million for a backup shortstop. I think what this says, because I've seen from my Chicago cohorts that they're still willing to go be in the Correa sweepstakes. If they go and get Carlos Correa, that means Correa is your shortstop, magical second, Andrelton Simmons is your backup second baseman and shortstop, and then Nico Horner factors out of the shortstop position entirely. I think Horner is best as an outfielder, possibly center, put Brennan Davis in right when he comes up, Hap still in left. I think this is a really solid offense for the Cubs and a lot more solid than
1: people were anticipating. Totally. This is just, to me, this is a utility guy. I think that's what he is at this point in his career. I know it's, we get, we get so used to Andrelton Simmons, shortstop defense, blah, blah, blah. He's still a good defender. I don't think he's the gold glove elite, elite defender if he's playing every day that he once was, this is a, a little bit more expensive utility guy that I think they're bringing in for more than just, what he brings to to the plate and what he brings in the field. I think it's more about just bringing another veteran into the fold here for a team that's probably trying to find its identity from the inside after they traded so many of their big time stars and main core guys that helped build what their identity was before.
0: Yeah. He's a veteran leader. Um, He will be great in the clubhouse. He is aware. He went through the mental health shit in like 2020. He is a mental health advocate. Um, He was really down during the 2020 season. So uh, it's good to have Andrew Simmons in there to provide a little bit of perspective to a team that is going to be very young and is going to be very fiery. So that's a very steady face. And how much does that cost? Maybe $4 million there. Um, next one for you, the Phillies went and got a reliever because they can't develop any one year, $6 million for Jerry's familia. What
1: do you think? I mean, uh, it's expensive, right? But at the same time it's not because when you look at some of the other deals and you're like, okay, well, some much worse pitchers, I got more. I mean, when Familio was good, he was – He's. Just, I mean, it's it's turbo sinkers that just – you swing and it hits you on the hands as a righty. He could be phenomenal, but he hasn't been phenomenal the last two years, so it's going to be interesting, but a lot of upside there.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, th- there's a chance he's good. There's also a chance he goes to Philly, and he sucks now, like because he's a Philadelphia Phillies reliever.
1: Yeah, uh, Jake Diekman is a Red Sox, though. It's a good pickup, but their whole bullpen's lefties. I don't really understand what they're doing over there because they got Strom too. Oh, yeah, they got uh, – what? What was it North Dakota's finest, Matt Strom? North, is it North Dakota's finest? I know Wyoming's only player is – Nimmo. Brandon uh, Nimmo, but yeah.
0: Matt Strom was in San Diego. I do know that about Matt Strom. Yeah, he's from West Fargo, North Dakota. Wow. He's 6'3". Congratulations to Matt Strom for being 6'3". Apparently that's, that's the perfect height. Is that says who? Uh most women that I've interacted with. I'm 5'11 and change.
1: Yeah, I'm that's what that's what I'm dealing with here too. <laughs> They're just look at Junior. Like, I wish you were like three and a quarter inches taller.
0: Yeah, damn. If only you were Matt Strong. Um, who else we got? Astros sign a couple of guys, Nico Goodrum to a two million dollar deal, and then
1: Lewis Brinson to a minor league deal. Okay, I like you know how the the Brinson backstory is just going to always be like, there's always going to be a whole thing to it. But if I were any of the 29 other teams, why the hell would you not sign Lewis Brinson to a minor league deal? He's an elite defender in the outfield and we know what he's physically capable of. I don't think he's ever going to figure it out, but like it's a minor league deal. Why wouldn't you try it? I think the Astros, it, it was a great move there. Goodrum to me is kind of a flyer too. He's he's never really hit at the big league level. He was once a prospect. So I could see them wanting to kind of see what they could get here. But again, this is another utility type, I think, uh, more so that can play a little bit all over. Yeah. Uh, The
0: Orioles just blocked Adley Rutschman. I mean, Adley's got to be behind while Robinson Chirinos rakes. (laughs) He can hit some bombs. (laughs) He can hit some bombs uh that's yeah a
1: one-year deal i that's that's good tutelage for adley when it comes up it, it's good well i was gonna say it's good for robinson Chirinos to be able to learn from adley rochman just a little bit yeah <laughs> um another catcher the angels re-signed kurt suzuki eh? and, so anthony molrine on the call-up was talking about kurt and uh he was saying Kurt has really just reinvented himself, totally changed the way he was catching, and d- does a really good job, and staff likes working with him. So that seems like just uh, keep, keep the familiar face around our pitchers like him type dude. Yeah, and he can be the backup for Stassi. Yeah, Stassi was nasty last year. I'm, there's no way he replicates that. I, I just I can't see it. I don't know what happened last year with Max Stassi. In the first half, I think he was insane. Yeah,
0: other signings that I feel like bringing up because I don't feel like bringing up Vince Velasquez to the White Sox. <laughs> um, the Marlins signed Roman Quinn to a minor league deal. Roman Quinn certified very fast. That's it,
1: though. That's <clears throat> it. I don't think he's ever had a WRC plus above like 65. It was a minor league deal. Is Roman Quinn the new Terrence Gore? There's a very high chance that that just, is. Just sign the, signed t- the t- World t-
0: Series t- winner and pinch run
1: they let Magnera Sierra go. Uh, so he's the new, he's the new speedster. Brinson's gone. They needed, they needed speed. And I know Monte Harrison is good as gone too.
0: Yeah. How about that? Uh, Yankees speaking of speed, Tim LaCastro to a one-year major league deal. That is super underwhelming for Yankees fans. He,
1: he must've sold them in that one inning he played for them, but the pride that of was Auburn, just, New York. That was so tragic. <laughs> like watching him just finally get out there for the Yankees and tore his ACL. Uh, but I guess that was the guy that had a good presence, another dude that they wanted to keep. The Yankees need speed. They need speed, too. So that's another guy that you, you, you got to have. They got it. Isn't he the fastest guy in baseball in terms of sprint speed? By feet per second. Yes, he is, according to baseball savants. How
0: about that? Uh, my favorite player in baseball, Eddie Adrianza. He signed a one year deal with the Washington Nationals. Adrianza, it's a major league deal, one and a half mil. So I have to watch the Nats every single night that Adrianza is in the lineup.
1: They also got Anibal Sanchez, who apparently was so good in his workout, according to John Heyman, that he got an offer 10 minutes after.
0: Which Minor league so cool. deal,
1: though. <laughs> he was so good, though.
0: Yeah, he'll John, be yeah. John
1: Heyman's tweets make me laugh so hard. Uh, he also called Craig Mish's son his daughter, by the way, John Heyman did. Oh, really. what's, uh, what's Craig's son's name? Hayes Mish. So Hayes Mish broke uh, a signing, a minor league signing by the Marlins. And my dad tells me that this happened. I forget what the signing was. And um, and Heyman was kind-heartedly quote-tweeting it, of course, just trying to be a nice guy because he is a nice guy, and was like, nobody knows the fish like Mish. Uh, Craig's daughter, Hayes Hayes Mish, on the, on the report here, or beats me to a report here. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it heyman even like even when he's being nice it's just it, there's a little botch and tweet but um brutal john brutal uh a couple
0: more steve c Shek is a national as well yippee yippee uh. uh texas signed matt moore to a minor league deal and then martin perez to one year four million dollars like they had zero pitching zero 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 pitching um you've got john gray you've got dane dunning and now you've got Martin Perez as your three. Maybe figure Spencer Howard factors in for a couple of starts here and there. Like I don't know. I think Do they're those-
1: praying. I think they're praying Martin Perez is their is their sixth, sixth arm by three months into the season. I, I think there is a realistic scenario where they're they're hoping for that. Yeah. Cole Wynn should be up two months into the year, I think. Uh Lighter could honestly be up in <laughs> I, know, August. I, I know. I know. Well, like they bring Wynn up. I think they're gonna go get another arm. Owen White, I think is going to get up kind of quick too. a really underrated prospect there, but yeah, I, I don't think they want much out of Perez. I think it's two lefties and they're saying one of them could overachieve. We know what more was always expected to be and mm-hmm. has the raw ability. We'll see if one of them can, can turn into something. All right.
0: That's it from me. Um, you got any that are piquing your interest that we didn't go over?
1: Well, that's a good question. I, there's a lot of rumors I'm very excited about, and I know we'll save those for, for most of the week, you know, as they're happening, the Brewers did bring back Brad Boxberger, which I actually think was important because that bullpen outside of the the, the back end, they needed some middle relief guys. So that was one I liked, uh, but the rest is kind of rumors, right? Like we're not looking at anything really specific uh, in terms of, of what kind of moves we'll see them make. But I do have one thing that did stand out to me uh, that I'm just scrolling past and seeing now. Uh, Mike Trout took over as the angels primary center fielder in 2012 and was a stalwart there until last year, then a calf injury limited to 36 games. It seems like the time has come where the team is thinking about when to move the 30 year old into a corner outfield role manager, Joe Madden told reporters, including Jeff Fletcher of the orange County register that the team has talked about the possibility of slotting Brandon Marsh into the center field instead. I swear to you, Jack, you know, we're, we're good friends. We've been doing this for a while. I did not have that prepared. When you asked me if I had anything else left, I was scrolling through MLB trade rumors and that popped up. So for those who might be newer to the show, maybe one of the Jack and I've had a few arguments. One is Casey Mize. The other was moving Mike Trout from center field and I said I would move Brandon Marsh into center field um and move trout to a corner for that reason that i just read uh, to preserve his health and because brandon marsh is so good in center uh jack i was not ready to dunk on you today but sometimes you just get an alley-oop thrown right in front of the rim and unfortunately i am deandre jordan and uh you are brandon knight yeah well you might actually windmilled too (laughs) i think you just
0: windmilled
1: (laughs) that Gerald green one you know i'm talking about where he catches it and brings it all the way back around That, that one was fire I, I think that's time what time. you just did in my face, on hey, my you, chin. Can, hey, uh, can we get somebody, Ben, Ben Belotti, can you NFT this?
0: Oh, God, this is brutal. Put it on the blockchain. Um, yeah, all right. Before we wrap, I give you $100 of fake money. You give me three teams that could win the national title in college basketball. Bracket just got revealed last night. You get any of those three teams, you get $500, You. Don't get any of those three teams, you get your hundred bucks back.
1: That's the craziest way of asking which three teams do you think could win.
0: Or no, you lose your hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. Which three teams do you think can win the national championship? <laughs> I was trying to like paint this big visual here. I was trying you to be said fun. you give
1: somebody a hundred
0: bucks. I forgot, and- yeah. I I forgot Pete's the gambling guy. I forgot like that's how you get thoughts across to Pete, but you you can just say, like, hey, three teams to win the national championship.
1: Well, yeah. Well, also if you brought it up like you can put, put it on based on the odds. So, like, I theoretically, I would put probably 50 on Gonzaga because I think they're still far and away the best team in the country, and their odds are going to be the shortest. But if they win, I'll profit no matter what. Then I'm probably sprinkling, like, 20, 20, and 10, or if I can only pick three, 25, 25, on two teams with, like, maybe a little bit longer shot odds. But Gonzaga, to me, I mean, look, anything can happen in the tournament, but they're so freaking good, Jack. I, I, I just – that, that team is going to be really tough to beat, as we know. I still think Purdue's got a really good balance, and, and I think Jaden is the type of dude that could take over the tournament. And I'm curious, I want to hear yours before I give the third, because I'm, I'm, I'm between a couple teams. I might kind of ask you who my third should be.
0: So if I really had to give you three teams that I genuinely thought were going to win the NCAA tournament, and I was just picking, like, here's who's going to win the NCAA tournament. I have three chances. Let's go. It's Gonzaga, it's Arizona, so the one, two seeds, and then Kentucky on the two line. I think it's Gonzaga, Arizona. Even after that, even
1: after that rough game,
0: Tennessee played their best game of the year by far.
1: And she was in foul trouble. She was in foul trouble. I I like, I like Arizona a lot too, man. That probably would be my my third, but I also, you know what I've been saying? Don't sleep on my Miami hurricanes. Don't
0: Don't sleep on the canes. Do not sleep on the big 10 champion, Iowa Hawkeyes. The offense is stupid. Good.
1: And Keegan Murray is amazing. Keegan Murray is really darn good. Uh, If, if for those filling out the brackets too, I think we'll be doing a little bit of that on not gambling advice. Uh,
0: Yeah. I'll be i I'll be a guest on the show. I'll be on to talk some college hoops. I'm not going to fill out a bracket for them. I saved my bracket for myself.
1: Hell yeah. And we're going to have a little bit of an internal competition here, but um, I'm glad I was able to catch that trout headline real quick. Cause I would have had to sit on that for a couple days. Uh, I'm still going to dunk on you in the group chat and That's then, funny. and then uh, I'll take my victory lap and, and then we'll pretend it never happened.
0: That's fine. I'm going to go get in the shower and cry me and Pete talking to you tomorrow.